right, little after two on the day the Yankees named their new manager, Aaron Boone. Uh, we are joined by the general manager, Brian Cashman. Cash, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, Cash, um, uh, this was kind of a long, I guess you had no rush, but it was kind of a prolonged in terms of day search. But uh, uh, how many serious candidates did you feel you had for the job? When you when you got rid of uh, Joe, which we'll get to in a minute, but how many guys would you say were serious candidates? Well, we had a preliminary long list. I mean, I, I uh, engaged my entire baseball operations department and said, "All right, you know, I need you to you know utilize all your resources and your personal opinions, and let's put together a, a prep list uh, or a, a potential list. I guess not a prep list, but a potential list, and then we'll vet." that list after it's assembled. And so uh, on my own, I certainly reached out to people throughout the game, general managers, especially that I respect that are, I think, in alignment with uh, the same type of philosophies of team building that I have, uh, you know, that who would you recommend? Who are the, who are the, the people that, the, the unexpected, who are the, the people I definitely should interview? And, you know, Aaron Boone came up quite often in that process for me. And then, you know, so I brought that name to the table from, you know, suggestions. He wasn't the name I had on any prelim list for me. And uh, when I brought it into the room uh, for consideration, I got a lot of real good feedback from my people that some of them knew him. Tim Naring, for instance, used to be the player development director in Cincinnati and had Booney as a player and knew the family well. And and uh, so he was one guy I relied on, and his feedback was uh, extremely positive, as was Jim Hendry of, yeah, this is definitely a guy that you should talk to, and, and you might be very well surprised uh, about how good he would be. Has the dynamics of the job changed so much that experience 10 or 15 years ago might have been a prerequisite and it's not anymore? <sighs> yeah, obviously, I guess, because, uh, you know, I'm here presenting a candidate uh, to our fan base with no experience, uh, and... I think six of the current seven new hires don't have any experience in, in the game this year. Yeah, alone. no, it's so, very different so. now. A lot of guys, it doesn't seem to be the prerequisite it was, which tells you that the job may have changed. Has the job in your mind, has the job description in your mind over your 20 years, has it changed a lot of the manager? Well, the job description clearly is still at the end the game is to win. Uh, it's just how you put yourself in a position to do so, obviously, I think has changed. Uh, and so, you know, turning the clock back, you know, I think uh, you'd hire a manager to, uh, you know, uh, in, in, you know, the uh, back of the day to just take over and, and, you know, all the work and effort that the uh, front office had, had done for 12 months and the manager then gets to, to drive that car uh, without restriction or input. Uh, I think the jobs change where uh, I think we've realized that it, it doesn't work that way. I kind of describe this as, you know, listen, we spend, you know, from the Yankee standpoint, we spend uh, $200 million plus to build a space shuttle. We're, we're NASA uh, and we're building the space shuttle and, and we have a mission in mind, and, but you need a specialized person that's capable as an astronaut to fly that space shuttle but while they're doing that they're going to stay in touch with you every step of the way and and that's uh, actually a good way of putting it which shows you that your influence and the front office influence is now far more pronounced than it used to be yeah well i think it it, it always should have been that way um because again you know uh, listen i'll get uh, turning the the the, the the 
know, laser focus a little bit differently. We were successful in 2017 for a lot of reasons. Some of it was certainly Joe Girardi and our coaching staff, but uh, some of it, and some of it clearly is decision making that we have in various departments. So we were just as successful because Donnie Rowland, our international scouting director, had invested into Gary Sanchez and, for instance, Luis Severino, and and uh, and we're just as successful because Damon Oppenheimer selected a, a, an Aaron Judge, for instance, in the amateur draft, and and our pro scouting department, uh, you know, uh, allowed us to decide to to to, uh, to pursue and and engage and and ultimately consummate a trade for, for instance, Didi Gregorius uh, for shortstop or Aaron Hicks that emerged in the outfield, or or obviously Canely and Sonny Gray and Robertson, and so. It's a collaborative effort, and uh, to provide that manager with a lot of talent, and that's that that's over a course of time, and not just year, but years, and that's involving our player development system to to obviously put these players in position to close the gap on on everything they necessarily need to improve upon, so they can reach reach their ceiling, and then and then you turn those guys over for six months to a manager and, uh, and major league coaching staff to try to. You know, plug and play, and 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 uh, allow them to to reach their maximum potential when they emerge as uh, major league candidates. So they're one piece of a puzzle. The manager's an important piece, but one piece, uh, but they're not the piece. I think back in the day, it used to be the only piece they'd have final say and final decision and stuff like that. But it doesn't. It hasn't worked that way for quite some time. And um, we're not. And I can tell you this, uh, yeah, because I see every now and then people talk about where I'm looking to to you know have lineup control and stuff like that. I never and you can you can check with a Joe Girardi and you can check with a Joe Torrey and I'm proud that I worked ten years with both of those guys and um but I never once dictated the lineup. I never once dictated who to play. Um the only thing I've ever asked for for any of the people I work with and I think I'm the easiest GM to work with in the game is uh is hey you know, let's hear this out, let's talk this out, let's discuss it and the end of the day, you know, I hired, you know, all these people for a reason because I think they're extremely bright and, and smart and capable in what they're doing and and you know you'll make the final call on, on what to do and and uh, we're not going to agree all the time but I'm going to support you every way I possibly can to allow you to have success and but recognize there's going to be failure along the way too and 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 I'm proud of the fact that you know we don't do this uh, adjustment or this press conference very often uh, there's a lot of stability because you know we know that we're invested in each other and uh, we're working well with each other. And that's, you know, Aaron Boone is now a new extension of that and trying to, trying to move forward in the present and the future. And, uh, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, provide them with enough talent to have success for, uh, for, for this franchise. We're talking with Brian Cashman. There's a fine line here, which I, I want to try and get for the fan if I can, because the, the, I, I know that they don't understand this part because it's new and, and they're just hearing it and they've heard a lot more of it. Uh, at what point, during the game, the manager's in charge. That, that's fair to say. But are you? would you say that your input is daily as far as who's in the lineup and what the rotation is and whether or not a certain guy is being utilized or not? Does it go that far or does it stop before that? No, I'm. I'm. I'm in. I was involved every step of the way with Joe Girardi, and I was involved with in, Joe including Torrey. making the lineup. Uh, we would talk about lineup discussions, and, and if the if the relationship is strong, they'll ask, uh, "Hey, what do you think?" They'll separately ask, you know, in in, in real time, you know, because you know, the personnel have changed over time. But they'll ask Tim Nering, "Hey, this is what your, my thoughts are. What do you think?" And they'll ask Mike Fishman, you know, who's obviously our assistant GM and expert and analyst. Hey, I was thinking of this. What are your thoughts? Would it, de- would it be a deal breaker? If the manager, if in in the uh, interview the the guy said, "I want to make the lineup," I'm the manager. 
No, he does make the lineup. No, I mean, but, uh, I mean, without input. Yeah, I, like I, I would think, not I would think. What's vitally important, without question, is someone that you know. As, uh, so to try to, I guess, uh, paint the right picture here. So if this is June and we have an injury down below, uh, I'm mean, sorry, injury at the Major League side, and we need to promote somebody from within from down below. Right. Our Major League manager is not seeing who's playing well. I totally agree with that part. I, so he's got to right. rely on the manager down below and the pitching coach or the uh, the hitting coach about, hey, I need an outfielder. No who question. Do you suggest? That's easy, though, have... but how about a slumping guy or whether he stays in the lineup or not? Yeah, we talked through it, but but ultimately the manager is going to have the final okay. say. Okay, how about um, making so... rotation? Same. You know, we, we'll talk through it, but he's going to have final say. Okay. So every step of the way, I've never once dictated, uh, as I said earlier, the lineup or, or or who to play. We'll talk through it. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like in the, in the postseason, we had, and this has happened before, uh, when we were setting our roster or whatever, there's guys I did not want on the roster that, you know, uh, for instance, in this last round that we went through that Joe wanted on the roster. But we talked through it, uh, and he ultimately – this is what you want. This is why you want them. Okay, I'd, I'd go a different way, but this you're the one that's going to plug and play and make these decisions in game. Same prior with Joe Torre. That's how it works. Same in season. As long, the, the manager just has to make sure that the spigot of information is flowing from player development, pro scouting, analytics, performance science, medical, and be smart enough to realize that, hey, I'm going to digest all this information, and I'm looking to hire constantly, which I did before with Joe Girardi, and I believe I've done now with Aaron Boone. I'm looking for someone that can digest that information, allow that flow to continue, and then they'll gravitate to the best decisions because they're extremely bright. And I think Aaron Boone has a great deal to offer in, in terms of... And you want your manager to use his gut. You don't want him to be just locked in to the information which says this guy third time around is not going to be successful against the lineup. Get him out of there when you turn the lineup over the third time. But he's pitching well that day. You want him to also believe in his gut, right? I wouldn't say gut. It's just seeing what how it's transpiring. Right. Engaged your you know, if it's a pitcher. Like maybe, what he uh, sees, but also what he feels that day about a certain player. You know, what he feels like, you know, what, or, what he's feeling or what he's seeing that day. And, and yes to that question and also with examples. So you might have a player that you know isn't maybe the toughest. So so he might be throwing well, but you don't believe that, you know, hey, I'm going to get this guy out of here. If, if, some, if he might be cruising, but he might be the type with the the demeanor that when when adversity hits, right. he's not capable of withstanding the adversity. So I'm going to get him out when that will happen. That's I wouldn't say that's a gut. That's an informed decision on your player. That's not analytically uh, directed. That's more of a, I know the personality of this guy, and when things start to get tough, he changes as a competitor. And so having a manager know your personnel that. I would say that's not gut. That's that's making an informed decision that, uh, you know. I got you. That's fair. I don't know if I'm describing it as well, but bottom line is I just want them to have access to everything and and then, uh, again, gravitate to the best ideas, whatever they happen to be, uh, and you're using your own judgment. So, Did you and Tori clash on this stuff? Was there a clash at times? Uh, I'd say that, you know, as as the statistics started to emerge, I think there was, you know, in Joe Torrey's case, you know, and I think he talked about it, I think there was less interest in in absorbing that information, uh, you know, back then. But the game was different back no then. No question. So as okay. the game was speeding up, you know, uh, and changing, not speeding up, but as the game was changing, you know, my, my job is to make sure that the Yankees are using every tool in the toolbox and that we are applying every opportunity to make us the best we can possibly be. So as you turn the clock back back then, 
Boston as they were catching up to us, for instance. Uh, you know, what are they doing that we're not doing? And one of the things that the Red Sox back then were utilizing that we weren't was an extensive analytic department and uh, in their advanced scouting and their pro scouting and all that stuff, and then their decision making from the dugout. So we were just trying to now, you know, speed up that process and change, you know, as we move forward to improve our decision making abilities. And so uh, I think if, if we ever had any discussions that were, you know, uncomfortable at times, it was that. But, uh, okay. But it, Did you ever clash with Girardi on the same subject? Did you mm-hmm. and Girardi clash? Uh, we had disagreements at times, but I wouldn't say uh, Joe was closed-minded on on any of that stuff uh, at all. So, uh, I, did we have disagreements on on things at times? Yes, but I'd say I'm proud that my relationship for the ten years with with Joe Torre as GM, obviously uh, it was longer because I was here as the assistant GM when he was the manager, uh, was I thought excellent, and I would say second to none until obviously in the end. And then uh, you know, and then obviously with Joe Girardi, you know, we went ten years for a reason. I picked Joe, and I I was invested. And Joe and and he was invested in us uh, despite having disagreements at times, which weren't many. Um, I, we had a great working relationship and a great friendship. So, um, you know, I, I would say I think it, it, this is a great place to work. I think we have a, a, a tremendous ownership commitment. Uh, I think this is an operation that empowers its people. So Aaron Boone's going to be empowered to do his job, uh, and just like Joe Girardi was empowered to do his job. Uh, the only thing is just provide access to information, and then and then you, know, you make ultimately the final call on lineups and, and obviously in game decisions. This isn't like the NFL where you know the, the head coach and the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator are on headsets and they're connected to the people up that you know and in certain locations in the press boxes and they're sending down in the first half and second half uh, you know pictures and and communications via audio or talking to the quarterback in game that doesn't exist in baseball and so ultimately we're hiring someone that will be left to their own device to make decisions and and we're hiring people that we trust that will make good sound consistent decisions and uh, it's never going to go perfect it doesn't work that way but but obviously we're investing in the ceiling of Aaron Boone all right now a couple things staff uh how much input will you have how much input will he have into staff especially now you gave him the pitching coach which I think was a great move and imperative. I think he was probably as important as the manager. He was great last year, and he's a very good pitching coach, so we know that. How about bench coach specifically and other coaches? How much input does he have? How much input does the team want? Same as it's always been. It's a collaborative effort. So uh, as I've worked with the previous managers, we, you know, they have suggestions that we will look and vet. Uh, you know, the intent is to get him who he would be comfortable with. Uh, we've made suggestions to him to 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 look and vet uh, on some internal candidates that we've had or have. And uh, so it'll take probably about two weeks to, at the at most maybe to work through that and uh, get the staff assembled, but it's going to be something that we're all comfortable with. And, and uh, as I said, I try to hire people smarter than me. And, and with that being said, you know, when you hire enough smart people, they will usually gravitate to, to the best decision, whatever that is. So I think ultimately just like, as a consensus took place, this wasn't ultimately this was ultimately my recommendation, but that came with a with a lot of people's input. I think that you know whoever winds up on this coaching staff is going to be you know more likely than not a unanimous decision that everyone feels really good about. And uh, yeah, that's our guy, and that you know plug and play here. You know, whether it's a bench coach, third base coach, hitting coach, you know the remaining part of the staff, first base coach. You know that uh, you know the responsibilities include base running and outfield defense, infield defense, amongst other things. So it's going to be one of those circumstances where we're all going to be 
in it together and agreeing, you know, and seeing it the same way. So it's not going to be uh, uh, any issue that I'm worried about. All right, but uh, would you look for the bench coach to have managerial experience because the Boone doesn't? Is that something that would be important to you or not important? Uh, not necessarily because we have a guy right there next to uh, Booney in the dugout and Larry Rothschild that's been a former manager that also as a pitching coach has worked under some of the best in Lou Pinella and in Jim Leland and Miami Pinella in Chicago uh, Dusty Baker obviously in Chicago uh, amongst others so so Larry Rothschild is you know serves a great deal of importance in many ways not just the pitching side but okay but if for so you're going to lean on him for a lot of stuff then okay well it depends how it plays out so right. Booney for instance uh, you know suggests somebody that's not necessarily a, a former manager but he believes would serve him and very well because he brings uh, uh, and checks a number of other boxes that are important, and we see it the same way. Then, then he's going to get the guy he wants. This that actually, I, I will clarify something, uh, and and I am very pliable on on something like this. Aaron Boone should have who he wants sitting next to him. Uh, my comfort level with that will be a lot less I agree with that. Uh, than any other category. So gotcha. he's going to wind up having. You know more weight in who sits next to him. I will have less weight on that. Someone he's comfortable and trusts. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. So if it turns out that it's someone that uh, that doesn't have managerial experience, uh, but I look at the guy through an interview and vetting process, that yeah, I can. You know, this guy can uh, roll with us. This is not an issue. There's no glaring, obvious problem. Booney's going to get what he wants because uh, he deserves that, and and uh, that relationship is is more important uh, in that bench side than anybody. So, um, and with Larry being there, it allows that to be that way. What did you see in Boone? What were the characteristics? We're talking with Brian Cashman. What were the characteristics since he has been just a player and a broadcaster? Not just, but that's what his roles have been. Uh, He hasn't been in the dugout. He hasn't been with teams. Um, What is it that he brought to either your meetings or to the overall interview process that uh, got him the job? Well, the baseball experience is extensive. He comes from that family no uh, heritage okay. uh, that that you know. Uh, so he's been exposed to the game, you right. know, from from such a young age. So he's got that experience growing up in clubhouses, uh, you know, under his dad's uh, watchful eye. Right. And then obviously playing it out as a player from college at USC to the professional, and then obviously he you know he's gotten a different uh, aspect, which probably serves him well uh, from being uh, in in the broadcast booth for eight years at ESPN and getting uh, you know exposure when he does those Sunday night game of the weeks or the radio shows in the postseason where he, you know, in the media, uh, private sessions with fans may not be aware of, when you're doing those primetime, you know, jobs, you get yep. access to the manager uh, in the home side and the visiting side every before game. Every, yeah, game every game to pick their brains, whether yep. it's in April, June, July, playoff setting, you get a chance to pick their brains about the controversy of the day, the tough decision you, you just came off of, how's it, you know, how is it going, how, how was it about the process that you just pulled that guy and, and you hurt his feelings or you, you sent that guy out or you released somebody. He's getting both on the record and dialogue, but off the record background from them about their trials and tribulations, and I think that was, you know, a little bit of on-job training that that uh, you know probably has helped a great deal. Uh, but his ability to obviously understand the game that he already knows and loves, uh, his communication skills seem to be off the charts. His relatability, his genuineness, his body clock in terms of, you know, how I think he'll handle stressors and pressure and stuff. I think, you know, resonated strongly throughout that process uh, of our interview with him. And um, I-, I was very surprised, you know, again when you farm him out to the analytics staff, how how he was left to his own devices, you know you know, in alignment with a lot of the stuff they see, because he'll be left to his own devices when you farmed him out into, uh, 
you know, the performance science group or the medical group, how progressive and, and open-minded and he already is, uh, which is unusual. Um, so he was checking all the boxes, you know, when we got farmed out to our mental skills coach, when he got farmed out to the media relations director. And, and then, you know, it was all the feedback came back of, wow, this guy is a lot more impressive than we would have expected. And therefore, another box got checked. And next thing you know, he started emerging as a not just a legitimate candidate, but the candidate that uh, we needed to focus on. Uh, Cash, one thing I noticed uh, in a couple of different uh, press conferences with different managers this year, this was stressed, uh, player relationships, the players will understand how much we care about them, how much we are pulling for them, how much we love them. Do you feel now that in this day and age there is more to the player relationship with the manager than in past days where the manager used to basically say, you know what, my way or the highway? I mean, do you think now that has changed and is more important? Yes, no question about it. Why, I mean, why so? Well, Mike, when you and I grew up, I mean, we saw a different culture uh, where, you know, uh, you know, a head, whether it was a head basketball coach, you know, uh, like Bobby Knight, for instance. Right. You know, they had their different styles at, you know, it's my way or the highway. And it worked, and it was allowed to work at that time and effort. But you see now today's generation is different. And I remember something that Joe Torre uh, spoke to a lot when he was here managing and when we would make tough decisions, uh, whether it's sending a player out, uh, sending him down, not making the club, you know, benching him, what have you. And I, you know, as general manager being part of that process, but, but Joe Torre always talked about how it was important. It's not important that you don't agree with the decision, but it's important that a manager takes the time to explain why we're making decisions that we're making. And, you know, and that's a genuine effort on behalf of the leaders of, of you know, our sport, at least. Uh, and it certainly, I think, relates to every sport now that I think the head coach, the manager go out of their way to spend all the extra time and effort necessary to, in the proper way to communicate with with your athlete about what's necessary, what they need to do, where they're deficient, where they're going. And if we decide to take from them, this is the reason why you give them the respect of, you can disagree with this, but what you need to do is take the time and effort to make sure they understand why you're making the decision you're doing. So whether you're benching a guy in postseason um, and playing somebody else because you think that the matchup is better, um, you know, so be it, but you need to go ahead and, and communicate in such a way versus not care in any way, shape, or form that they have uh, a wife and family flying in from a, a location to watch them expected to play that day and they're not playing. You know, you need to understand all those things that go behind the scenes, for instance, that so you can give them the, the respect that they've earned and deserved. I think that world is different today because of that than it gotcha. was back when so we were So you expect you know, your manager to do that? Uh, so you just think that's part of managing now? Well, I think that was part of managing when Joe Girardi was doing the last year, 10 years, and I used gotcha. that example that Joe Torre was doing when he was doing it 10 years ago, but I think that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, no one spent any time on that because they right. had the final power, and, and uh, I watched the other night, I watched the other night on, I think it was ESPN, um, the making of Mr. October and watching the Billy Martin pulling Reggie from the outfield right. because of loafing, and, and, you, and we all know how that relationship wasn't good. It was a different time. 
it was a different time, you know, that, you know, you either liked somebody you didn't and you didn't take the time to close the gap on it. It was just going to be the way it was. Your personalities clashed or not. I think the true successful leaders in today's environment are the ones that spend the time and effort to invest in everybody on your roster to get the most out of them. You're not going to have everybody won over and you're not going to you know, have everybody like you, but I think, you know, part of, uh, part of the effort is to make sure that you clearly are capable and have the content, but you also have to have the time and effort to, to relate with them and understand where they're coming from and what makes them tick. When I spent time in San Antonio uh, with uh, Popovich, for instance, one thing Pop talked about was, you know, how he, you know, uh, one of his players had, you know, had a bad practice and he blew that player up that day because he was like, what's going on here? And he ripped him in front of the entire club. And, but one of the things he shared with me was, which was, you know, impactful for him was he was unaware that that particular player, whoever it was, uh, you know, lost his dog that day. He was euthanized and put down and he was so mad at his staff, uh, whether it was uh, coaches or front office or the scouts who knew this, but didn't relate it to him because he wouldn't have taken that approach in that practice session that day. And that's where all these things about knowing your people are vitally important and what's going on in their lives that are not baseball related that could be affecting how they're going about their business. That's the intu- intuition and knowledge that are necessary for, I think, today's leaders to do. And I think Pop's a perfect example. Uh, of Is why that something so that Joe Girardi had problems with? No, I think Joe, Joe okay. did everything in his. I think Joe cared about his players a great deal. Um, and again, the, the only difference of a Joe Girardi and an Aaron Boone is Joe's done it here for ten years now. And uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that there definitely is an expiration period. That, uh, but I do think that it's harder to maintain the ability, uh, uh, you know, in that dugout and the stressors on a day in and day off basis, on a year in and year out basis. And I think Joe you know, walked that line, you know, extremely well. I think he did a great job for this franchise, but I'm charged now that when his contract was expired to make what's the best decision to serve us well in the present and the future as we move forward. But no, Joe Girardi did a great job, and and and, and I was very proud of the decision I made to hire him and work with him as long as he did, and he served us extremely well, and we'll be thankful that he was an impactful member as a player of this franchise, as well as a manager and a coach prior to managing in this franchise. And, and uh, uh, but at the same time, I got to make tough decisions, and, and now that decision was staring me in the face of: Do I feel we need to move forward in a different direction? And uh, obviously, I made that decision for better uh, or worse. Uh, that's the investment I made, and and uh, I'm I'm willing to live with that decision, and I'm comfortable with that decision, despite it being a very difficult one. But I love Joe Girardi. I thought he was uh, a great manager, and I think uh, you know, obviously he'll provide an opportunity for somebody in the future if he so chooses, which I think he has that desire. He'll manage somebody and, and do a great job as they move forward. I just felt like it, it, based on a lot of reasons, as we move forward, it was in our best interest to, to have somebody else in that dugout uh, starting in 2018. Brian Cashman with us now. We'll have Aaron Boone uh, when, when we're finished with the general manager. Uh, with him not having uh, the kind of experience that some might uh, and with him having been an everyday player, not a pitcher, do you concern yourself with him as far as his ability to handle the bullpen, or you expect Rothschild to be your force there? Or is that something that was in any way, uh, did it give you pause? Did you have any worry about that big aspect of handling the club? Well, and some of the candidates that went through the process, that was clearly something that was a concern in, 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 time, in terms of dissecting what they were bringing to the table, that they were deficient on the pitching side. I felt that Aaron Boone, uh, you know, answered those questions extremely well and comfortably. And so I have great comfort, first and foremost, left his own devices that okay. he will do a great job there. But, 
regardless, I have, you know, again, using the NFL analogy, I've got, I think, the best defensive coordinator in baseball in Larry Rothschild, you know, right there as his resource and guiding light. He knows these guys in and out, both bullpen and, and rotation, and what makes them tick and how to use them and maximize their potential. And, and as Larry served Joe Girardi extremely well there. Uh, he's going to uh, serve, obviously, as our defense coordinator, uh, Aaron Boone, extremely well there, too. So um, that gives me, you know, uh, uh, real good comfort. Uh, and I know Aaron's excited to have Larry as well. As any as any manager, uh, whether it's an inexperienced or experienced manager, they would love to be able to call Larry Rothschild their pitching coach. Uh, before you go, anything you can shed light on about Atani and this process now? Anything you can tell me? No, nah, I mean, it was, it, you know, listen, the Yankees have had a great home field advantage, you know, for history. You know, uh, being in this market, in this city with this fan base, um, has served us well 99.9% of the time it sells itself. Uh, unfortunately, in this uh, circumstance, it didn't. You know, uh, it was something that uh, location and market size uh you know, disqualified us. And, and listen, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, you want, we, our job is to pursue uh, all the great talent. happens once in a while. Happens, yeah, it, it happened it, with Greg Maddox. It's happened it, now with Otani. Yeah, so yeah. It's, our job is to put ourselves in the best position possible. I feel comfortable we did that without the knowledge that you know, right. <laughs> it was all false hustle, right. I guess, in the end of the day. But, but I, you know, I did tell our staff when we were going through this process that, listen, if he doesn't pick us, it's not because of us, in theory, because of, gotcha. in terms of effort and scouting and stuff. It's so you did everything you could do. You did everything yeah. you could do. And, and, you know, but I was unaware that anything east of the Mississippi was getting disqualified. So gotcha. so that made me even more comfortable because when I started, you know, seeing on Twitter, Toronto's out, Boston's out, you know, Miami's out, Atlanta's out, you know, uh, all, Cincinnati's out, Detroit's out, you know, as I was marking all the cities down, it just turned out to be West Coast and Arizona spring training only. Uh, I'm like, wow, I wish we didn't even have to go through the process. But thankfully, they didn't give us the courtesy of a round two that uh, just because they didn't want to disrespect us. I'm glad that they didn't drag us out to California and wait their time. I wanted access to the player. Uh, it's not to be. Uh, I respect his decision. I think he's going to be an impactful major what leaguer. What do you think he's going to do? Well, I hope he picks a national league. No, but I mean, what I do just... you think he's going to play? I mean, what do you think the, the final, what is his position going to be? What is he going to do? Is he just well, going to he... pitch? You know, for you know, in our case, obviously we ha- would have had him in the starting rotation as long as he earned that right, and then uh, and then potentially in the eighth spot uh, at times when he clearly had time to recover. That would have been um, worth seeing. Know, I mean, but, I, I, I want to see. You think somebody can actually he, do that? He can play the outfield uh, as well. So depending on the locale he picks, you know, uh, we'll see. I'd rather, I'd rather the Mets have to deal with him than than gotcha. most of the time in the National League than the Yankees in the American League now. But we'll see how it shakes out. But is he as good as advertised? Does everything tell you he's as good as advertised? Yeah, we. I mean, he's an exciting young talent that has a chance to be a difference maker. The only thing I, I you know, people talk about not playing both ways and stuff. We right. do have that taking place clearly in the National League every day. When a starter is pitching, he's hitting at the same time. Uh, he's not playing the field when he's not pitching. Uh, but we have seen, you know, we've had the capability uh, of doing that. I mean, uh, in this city locale already. You know, Dwight Gooden could have done that. Dwight Gooden could have played outfield and and you know on the well, day. Well, could do it for sure. Tom Gardner. I mean, yeah. there's so many guys that have such great abilities, but because you're trying to protect them, you don't do right. it. But but if if left to their player players' own devices as competitors, these guys, if they could force it, they probably would. And some of them would be highly successful. I'm sure doing it. Maybe the careers wouldn't be as long. But uh, but we do have players over currently in this environment that are capable of doing it. It's just something that's out of the box. And and it seems that although I never got access to talk to Otani or his 
representatives directly because they didn't give us guidance. It seems like that's a mandatory part of the process that he wants to do both. And if that's the case, you know, it's going to be exciting to watch it play out and see how you know, how it works. But it, unfortunately, it's not going to ha- happen here in New York for us. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Thanks. All right, Bye. Brian Cashman, back after this.